You're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Happy Wednesday. Today's episode is a little late. I apologize for that. I will blame the snowy weather, although it has nothing to do with my abilities to pump out podcasts, but it causes delays in all kinds of ways, so podcast episodes are included in there. Today's episode is with Hans Arijanto. Hans is a product engineer at AngelList, and today's episode is different in structure than past episodes, I'm trying out a different segment called what I would like to coin Uncommon Sense. It's still a working title, so don't get riled up about it. But the idea behind that has been to test out a potentially new podcast I might think about starting where I invite friends over or even past podcast guests that I've enjoyed talking to. And we just talk about things that might be challenging conventional wisdom or just how certain cultures or certain places look at common sense differently and it's kind of based on each individual guest's own perspective and so that's something I've been thinking about and so I thought this would be a pretty cool opportunity to have my friend Hans on and we can splice up the episode where the first half is the traditional accounted for theme where we go through Hans's career and the second half is kind of the uncommon sense where we talk about different kinds of elements um, that might be common sense for one person but not common sense for the other and so the first half we kind of talk about Hans's journey as a product engineer where he started out studying at the University of Waterloo and then he went over to work at startups in Toronto and then he went to Silicon Valley where he worked at Facebook and Athos and then after that he went to the Amazon of Southeast Asia called Tokopedia and then he came back to Toronto, but he works remotely with AngelList. And so we talk about his journey as well as his role as a product engineer. And in the second half, we we talk about, I'd say, two kind of major topics, one being philosophy and the other being the differences between Canada slash Western culture and that of Indonesia, where Hans is actually from. And so that's the kind of conversation that we will talk about in terms of what the values are like how and we have specific examples that Hans experienced and also kind of the difference in working culture even different salaries for engineers between North America and Indonesia and yeah so it's a different setup than normal and I'm testing it to see whether um, I want to do a separate separate podcast series called Uncommon Sense or maybe maybe I'll just slide a couple of these more in throughout the year we'll see but without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Hans. Hey everyone, welcome back to Counted For. Today on the podcast, I have Hans Arijanta with me. Hey Hans, thanks for coming to the podcast. Hey Dan, thanks for having me. It's my first podcast, I hope I don't fuck up. <laughs> That's a great start. <laughs> <laughs> so Hans here is um, a product and full stack engineer at right. AngelList. And so, Hans, for people who are not familiar with uh, AngelList, I can't imagine many people aren't, but if they aren't, how, how do you explain AngelList to people? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I've been in AngelList for a year. I should be able to answer this question really well. I don't think I will do it a lot of justice, but 
Uh, I guess long story short, Angelus is a place where you go to look for jobs. I mean, a lot of people probably look at it and think of it as just a job board, but it is more than that. But at least for the consumer eyes, it is just a job board. And that means people go on, there's a, there's a listings of jobs that they apply for. Um, but actually, Angelus is a lot more than that. You know, it's actually a whole recruiting platform. What I mean by that is like usually with the job board, the people who use it are just the people who want to apply for jobs, right? Um, but uh, in Angelus, you actually have people who apply for jobs and you have the recruiters from the companies actually log onto the platform itself and then they have a whole process and whole product that we won't talk about basically. And then there's Product Hunt, uh, we can get into that later, but Angelus basically, uh, its product is, is taking any company that is at a startup level or even a funding level and kind of becoming a tool that they can use to, to kind of take them to the next step. And that's in every step of the way. Like people know it as recruiting, but it's not just that it's for products, for recruiting, it's for funding. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think those are the three pillars. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting at it. Like I think when I first learned about it, I saw it as a way for people to angel invest in companies. And then it became like for me as a consumer or like just a retail person, it was like a job board where it's like an Indeed or LinkedIn for applying to startup companies. Well, that was actually the start. I mean, okay. Angelus started out, it's actually used to be called Venture Hacks. Right, right. Um, and it was initially just for people to essentially get funding. But then what they found was like, hey, you know, after they get funded, they need people. So that's what, the, you know, today known for Angelus is, is the recruiting platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had a few uh, software developers, engineers on the podcast prior to, um, but okay. your title is a product engineer. Yeah, man. What's the difference? Why are you so, why, why is yours different? So uh, this, is, this is my first product engineering role as well. Um, the way they described it uh, was essentially a product engineer is an engineer who does product work as well. It's like you're, you're, basically, you're basically still a full stack engineer, which means you're still responsible for all the engineering skills and all the engineering tasks that you have to do. Uh, but you need to be wary and have a product mind. Uh, and after doing this for a year, what I found is um, really what that means is that every engineer in the company, um, so so actually every engineer in, in Angelus is a product engineer, so there's no like just base engineer. I mean, we have some infra engineers, but a lot of people who actually work on the platform is is product engineering. And what that means is that whenever you create something or whenever you're developing something, you have to be able to answer the question and really think about like, well, why are you building this? Like, what is it for? And back it up with data. Um, and, and this is great because then what it does is basically um, whenever you go into a meeting, whatever you, you want to talk about a certain product that you're building, everybody's kind of on the same page or everybody has the same like North Star because everybody thinks about the product, right? At the end of the day, you're building something for the consumer. So the only difference is really when you build something, you think about it in terms of, hey, why am I building this and who am I building this for? And are the numbers backing this up instead of like, you know, technically is this good? Oh, yeah. so that's never really like a, that's never really a, a priority. It is a thing we consider, but it's never a priority. So then would you say people who typically are like a software engineer or just a backend engineer, they don't have a big product consideration? Do they just outsource that to the product managers? Is that um, how it normally works? Uh, that's a, yeah, maybe. I, I would I would say, I would say uh, normally engineers don't think about that. I, I, that's not true. I would say like olden, olden days engineers don't think about that. I mean, there's a lot of engineers who, who innately have product uh, in their mindset already, like whenever they develop something, but in Angel, it's, it's a requirement. That's the only thing. As a product engineer, you're required to do that. Like it's it's definitely uh, trumps over like technical debt or anything like that. 
So then do you guys have product managers or do you we do we do we still we still have product managers and uh i i think they take care of uh the more holistic side of things so uh they you know they actually plan out the whole product roadmap for example and uh they set the baseline okrs but um they're product managers right so it's almost like they're they're managing the product itself but as product engineers you're still very involved with them you're involved with the product roadmaps that they make uh and you you have a say in it for example um, and that's the nice thing about it. And that's the, the main difference is that at any point in time, like, let's just say, um, okay, I have a team and I have a product manager assigned to them. And you have like three product engineers, for example. So at the start of a quarter, they would like make a whole product roadmap and they'd say, okay, listen, you know, like we have a, we have a team or a company OKR and our team OKR is this, right? But throughout that quarter, as a product engineer, you're invited to challenge those product roadmaps and you're invited to like, um, you know, do research and, and ask the questions of like, hey, are we building the right things? You know, should we be building something else? And that's always on the table and that's always everyone's priority. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a product engineer kind of, a product manager sets the baseline and takes care of it across the board, but a product engineer is still very involved in that. Um, with that being said, you know, you're still, you're still an engineer. So you build everything, obviously. And that's kind of nice because, you know, you don't want to just build something that people tell you to build, right? You want to build something and you want to believe in it and you want to be able to challenge it. And that's what I like about this product engineering role. I guess you never asked me if I liked it, but that's what's nice about it is that you're building something that you have thoroughly challenged and believe in. And if you, at any point you don't and you can prove it, you know, you can always challenge it and say like, listen, I don't want to build this. I want to build something else because the numbers doesn't make sense. Hmm. Yeah. And so on, on this journey, like, so one of the reasons I'm a big fan of AngelList is because of uh, one of the, Co-founders, Naval's a big, I'm a big fan of Naval. I've never met Naval. I wish yeah. I have. That's that's one of the, uh, it's because I'm remote. It kind of sucks, but I wish I met him. Okay, yeah, because I was going to say, have you ever met him before? I have but, never met Naval. I have never met Naval, unfortunately. But I've heard I've heard good things. <laughs> of course. Only only good things. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they're true. I can't confirm, but good things. And so if we, if we kind of like backtrack it, um, the you know, the way we met, we, we just know each other as like guys who play poker together. That's how kind of we... First met was that, each other. Was that our first? I think so. Yeah, we met at one of the cash games, and um, that was our first time. Yeah. yeah, I remember. That wasn't too long ago. No, it was about two months ago. Yeah, yeah. so like you know, yeah, I, I know everyone from Andy. Man. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Um, shout sh- sh- out to the man Andy for connect, connecting us. I know. Um, but yeah, so you know, we we mainly only talk about poker. So I thought this was a good chance to like learn about your background. And Absolutely. we before we actually started the interview, um, we talked about your background as being you know. Indonesian and how that kind of we're talking about your name construction so before we go to that I want to ask you did you grow up in Jakarta I I did I was I was born in Jakarta I was born and raised and I stayed in Jakarta up until grade four and then I moved to Canada Um, there's a there's a whole story as to why I moved but our whole family basically moved to Canada from grade four up until uh, half of grade six and then me and my, so I have a twin, me and my twin sister went back with my parents to Jakarta uh, and stayed there for the rest of the high school years. Um, and then I came back here. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of back and forth, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I, I, cool. I immigrated here when I was in when I was grade five, I think. That's oh, yeah? I, okay, I it's about the same, yeah, 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 yeah. same, you know, time, timeline. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah, I'm always curious about uh, different countries and geographies and people's cultures and stuff just because okay. Toronto is like my fit fifth or sixth city that i've lived in wait what yeah i thought it was just hong kong and here no no no. i was born in south korea 
Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Korean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget that sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't really look it either. I mean, a little bit. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's biased. Though. I don't know, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, like I lived in, so I was born in Seoul, lived in Seoul. Okay. Then I went to Hong Kong. Okay. And then I went to Vancouver. Okay. And then. Oh, city. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were, ah, whatever. Th- yeah. So three, three countries? Three countries, three yeah. Countries, okay. All right, just. Fine, lower my stats. That's that still way. a lot. That's still a lot, okay? <laughs> What's the fifth country? That's just, that's four. Oh. Vancouver, Toronto, Hong Kong. Korea. Calgary. I was in Calgary. Ca- you were in Calgary. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever, man. You were there for work. You were there for like, what, two years? <laughs> Come on. Wow. It's Cal- I mean, if you counted all the cities, I got San Francisco, Jakarta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, wait, is that it? Toronto. Yeah, that's it. No, we'll talk, we'll talk more about that too. Toronto, San Francisco, yeah. But yeah, I want to get to the name thing. So why is that, why was that a unique story? Why is my name a unique story? Yeah, you said like there's like a whole story. Oh, right. Um, uh, well, I don't know if there's a lot of Indonesians listening to this, so I guess it's not too sensitive a topic. Um, but basically, uh, Indonesians are mainly made of like local Indonesians and Chinese Indonesians. And a long time ago, obviously, like we Chinamen, we like we moved everywhere. Like you know what I mean? We tried to like go to every single country. Indonesia was one of them. Um, and what ended up happening was, uh, at some point, the Indonesian government was like, listen, if you want to stay here, and this happened during my, my parents' generation, like, if you want to stay here, you got to get rid of your name, your Chinese name, and make your own name, right? So then you, I guess, like, there's just a lot of Chinese Indonesians with, like, all these made-up names, like my name, Arijanto, which a lot of people think is Arihanto, or it's Mexican or whatever, because my, my dad just made it up. Really That's made it up. You yeah, just made up the last name. <laughs> well, he had to make up his first and last name. Oh, wow. yeah. They well, I mean, I think this happened a lot across the world. Actually, I, I, I'm not sure exactly where, but I had friends who tell me that this happened to them as well in third world countries where you immigrated and they're like, "Listen, like if you want to fully immigrate, you got to change your name." They just it's just it was a law that was passed. Wow. Yeah, man. So Ari Johnson was completely uh, made up. Um, it just sounded somewhat Indonesian for your dad. You're like, all right. It, it sounds kind of Indonesian. It's like yeah. halfway. Yeah. And, and nice so, in between. So then gro- growing up in Indonesia, like, was there, like, what, what do kids there, like, dream about? Or what did you dream about as, like, a dream what career? What did kids dream about? You know, so, like, when, hmm. I ask, when I ask people, when... I like that question. So when I ask a lot of people who are born in Canada, they, okay. you know, a lot of the guys, I, you know, not to be, like, sexist or anything, but from <laughs> the sample size I've had... You know, they have dreams of being, like, firefighters or, like, hockey players. Sure. Oh, like that. true. Yeah, no. Never right? never firefighters, never hockey players. Yeah, so... <laughs> I didn't I'm, even know what hockey was, dude. <laughs> exactly. Like, I didn't know either. So, I'm curious, like, for, so let me, let me for you, like, yo, when, like, when you're, like, age seven or something. Let me, let me think about that. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, living in an Asian household, the generic, like, what you should be was, like, parent, was, like... Actually, no. My, my parents was... was um, I don't know what the word is for this, but they were very okay. They're they're very encouraging, a little a little too encouraging, a little too hopeful. So I mean, the things that they were saying was like, oh, you know, become president, become astronaut, like you know what I mean. Uh, but then also there was like the lower tier ones. I like this is not actually lower tier, but to them they were like, oh, okay, you could also be a lawyer or a doctor, <laughs> which is like, and maybe an engineer, which is what I am now. Mm. Um, but like amongst the kids, I mean, if you're just asking me personally, just you. Just you. I, there was a point when I wanted to be a lawyer. I don't know why I think it's because I liked talking to people. Uh. I obviously like I didn't know the workloads associated with. It. There was a point I wanted to be a lawyer. There was a point I wanted to maybe be a fireman. Actually, no, that's not true. No, that's not true. Just a lawyer. Just lawyer, a chef, yeah. mainly because I was I was a little chubby when I was a kid, uh, <laughs> and I like food. So chef and lawyer, I think. But then with my friends, like I don't know if there was like a consensus of what people wanted to be. 
Um, maybe a soccer player because soccer is a big thing in Indonesia. Basketball is it. Mm. Yeah. And that's about it. I don't know, man. There was like, I guess we never talked about it as a kid of what you wanted to be. I mean, honestly, what I wanted to be was those two. And uh, one of my dreams, which is really weird, was I really wanted to uh, own a Power Ranger um, a robot. Like, those are my dreams. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to become an engineer. And I don't know if you ever watched this um, this cartoon. I, I don't remember what it's called, but it's it's this guy who has a car, but then the car turns to a robot, and the car is the head of the robot. It's like Max something, with like, and he had like a billiard ball. Okay, whatever. So like his setup was he has a car in his garage, and he would drive his car, and it was like this hot rod car with like flames on the side or whatever, right? And uh, whenever he needs to fight monsters, because there's monsters in this world, uh, he would just jump on his car in his garage, and the robot would emerge from the ground. And I had like 10 dreams over the course of four years when I was a kid where I had that exact same robot. And I would go to my garage, press a button, and then I would just walk around. And my robot, yeah. That's one of the dreams. Are you getting close to building a robot? Uh, I cannot disclose that right now, Dan. All right? <laughs> don't come into my... I don't actually own a garage right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish, dude. I wish. And I also learned that... Um, so you also went to Waterloo with, with um, Andy and... Did I tell you how I met Andy? No. Did I tell you our story? No. It's very short. Okay. So, uh... What a great it's, way it's, to start a story. It's, 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 it's very short. It's, no, it's true. It's hilarious because, I mean, that's part of the reason why this whole um, situation is hilarious because, dude, I never thought I would see Andy ever again. Okay, so, if if my life was, um... Sorry, if my university life was a sitcom, Andy would be, like, the pilot's pilot episode. As in, like, I met him in Frosh Week, okay? Oh, right. I met him in the first week of Frosh Week, and we had this huge group of friends, and he was dating this girl that was in that huge group of friends. And I met him for, like, four days, and then I never saw him again. That's not true, actually. So I date, So I met him. I almost said I dated him. I, I met him for, for four, like, four days, like, legitimately Frosh Week, and then they kind of they broke up or something. I'm not sure. And then he disappeared, right? But, I mean, he lived in impressions so of, like, I remember Andy Doan. And I think it's, like, in second year or third year, I was walking in, in UW Plaza. And I saw this, like, lengthy dude, like, finger-tutting as he was walking home. And I'm like, who the fuck is finger-tutting in UW Plaza? And lo and behold, it was Andy Doan. I didn't say hi. He didn't say hi either. He had headphones on or something. He was just finger-tutting, like... They're making Naruto signs. I don't know, man. And he was like walking home. And then, and then fast forward like six years, and I see him, and he lives in my building, you know? Yeah. It's a, or I live in his building because he moved here first, and now we, we're poker friends. Yeah, no, it's, we're, it's a we're, small world. We're actual friends. Yeah, yeah. But who play a lot of poker? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. That, that sums up our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, come on, man. It's okay. You know, when you grow up, that's one of the things, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people, um, I mean, not, I mean, I guess a lot of people in their mid-20s, like, they, they make that transition where, like, uh, you know how in university you have, like, a lot of friends? And you kind of have, like, these, like, solid groups of friends. And I'm sure some people do, too, as well, or still. Um, but then, of course, people move and everything, and you have your own job and whatever. And then the, the pockets of friends you kind of making later on in life, it's associated with an activity. Like, you know what I mean? Because, like, your, your schedule gets really packed and stuff like that. So you don't really have, like, a one-for-all unless you've kept it from, like, high school or whatever. It's got kind of pockets of activities. And that's fine. A lot of people, like, I, I had conversations with people who went through, uh, it's not midlife, but it's an like early life crisis. A uh, quarter life crisis? Quarter, yeah, quarter. Uh, assuming you live to 100. Yes. Yeah, that's, 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 that's hopeful, dude. I don't know. Call it, like, three-tenths 
three three five tenths uh, life crisis or whatever, um, where people think like, oh, that's fake. They're like, oh, like I only see this guy or I only see these people when I like go fishing. I'm like, well, that's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Um, obviously, friendships are harder to foster as you like grow older. You know, it's harder to find people, especially genuine people. But it's fine. You know, activities, uh, friendships based on activities is kind of just what happens after a certain time. Yeah, it's, it's it's weird. Like so, Andy and I, we know each other from um, break dancing. That's why that's why I first. Dude, met. wait! I didn't know you danced. I, I did. I did. Yeah. What yeah. the heck? Show me some moves, man. <laughs> well, I've, I've kind of gotten old now. Show me some moves. Whatever, man. <laughs> Go to the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah get healthy. But um, no, well, I I stopped break dancing because I ended up I wanted to focus on powerlifting instead because okay. I ended up getting that's a huge that's, too that's often. Isn't that a huge transition? Well, so there be like small and nimble. For to, um, to break dance. Oh, to break dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my repertoire was very limited to like freezes and like a lot of footwork. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of a lot of muscle use. Huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but then you it's know, like, is Dan dancing? Nah, he's freezing. Let him be. <laughs> he's got this for like, ten minutes. <laughs> it's impressive, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you know, doing stuff like handstand push-ups, that kind of stuff. Okay. Like, are you dancing or are you just showing yeah, off? Exactly, like, what the exactly. fuck? This man's like, just doing handstand push-ups. But, um, yeah, and, and then, like, yeah, we didn't see each other for a long time until, like, I saw him in my consulting building. Like, I was at Deloitte, and okay. I saw him in our lobby okay. working with, like, my other colleagues. And I was like, dude, why, why are you here? Was that, was, that was not Calgary. That was No, this was in Toronto. That was in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, like, four years ago or something? Um. Yeah. Some, something like that. Three, three, four years ago. Yeah. And you guys stayed close ever since, or what? yeah, yeah. We just oh. became like a group of friends that we just hung out with, and that's actually how I know Eric. So it was. So oh, sorry. So Eric was part of that Deloitte group. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. I, I met Eric at nice. Deloitte. Yeah, yeah. So. So Andy's just kind of the glue that kind of brought us together. Is that is that the kind of yeah? Here? That's kind of the the I point guess. of the story. Yes. But um, kind of kind of going back to you though. So. We we never met in Waterloo, but we were we there met. during the same time. I'm pretty um, sure we like we walked across each other. Or probably something. never realized. Never realized. Yeah, absolutely. Felt some energy there. Yeah, felt. Oh, maybe one sided there. It's all good. Oh uh, damn. <laughs> and so when when I looked at your kind of uh, career journey since, so you you graduated from engineering in Waterloo, yep. and I noticed that you worked at Loose Button. Oh wait, and you dig deep. Okay, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loose button. Oh yeah, my so, god, that shit brings me back. Loose button. So that that caught my eye because I had another podcast guest who's lo- worked who at worked loose, loose button. Or oh, is it Peter Sum? Yeah. So you know Holy Peter. Holy shit! Oh. You know Peter. So Peter and I went to the same high school. Yo, that's fucking hilarious. You know Peter? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Peter was uh. So Peter worked at Loose Button before me, and I actually didn't work with him, but I ended up working at Yukon Games with him. Right. Yeah, and I was, I mean, obviously, I was like a kid, dude. And Peter was, I mean, also a kid, but he was slightly older. So I'm pretty sure I said a lot of dumb shit to him. But I know Peter, yeah. Damn, small yeah. world. Peter Sum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're friends with him. That's hilarious. I, How you more, know him? Yeah, I know him. He's your, he's your acquaintance. Yeah, so okay. he, he came on the podcast. That's right, and Peter. Then... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a friend of Dan. You're an acquaintance. <laughs> acquaintance. <laughs> just kidding, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I saw that. And I was like, wow, small world. And then it's, after that, you... small world, man. You went to the Valley, you worked at Facebook, you worked yeah. at Athos, and then you went back to Jakarta. Yeah. And how do you pronounce this? Tokopedia? Tokopedia, yeah. Tokopedia is basically uh, Indonesia's, or, well, Southeast, soon to be Southeast, I mean, that's presumptuous. I'm a little biased, but <laughs> soon ahead, to be Southeast Asia's, like, Amazon. Yeah, it's, that's the it's point. massive. That's the point, because uh, Alibaba invested in them. Yeah. Right? So that's the point, is that they want to make it into Amazon. But the only difference is, like, they, they're more... Um, 
they're doubling down on like authenticity of like stores like like people owning the stores inside the platform if that makes sense like you know how like amazon is basically a giant like a giant warehouse right right that's what amazon is like it's all under the amazon brand right but in tokopedia the whole idea initially was like allowing these people who don't have access to internet or don't necessarily let me turn that off one second don't necessarily uh you know know too much about technology or have access to the means to open stores to be able to open online stores so they allow a lot more uh brand um identity i guess and they promote them more or like it, it feels like you're visiting individual stores as opposed to a giant warehouse if that makes sense right but then they're of course trying to reach that amazon level where they're not just going to become like stores it's going to like empower um, you know, with technologies in the cloud and stuff like that. Um, man, they're backed by Alibaba, which is, hey, it's Alibaba, man. Mm-hmm. And, but then, so after, usually, you know, when you hit Facebook, most people want to stay at yeah. Facebook. So yeah. what, what instigated the departure to Athos and then after um, going back to Jakarta? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you take a look at my career journey, like, 90% of it is startups. Mm. Like, you know, like I've, I've always liked working in smart teams and don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously, so I did like lose button and then I did, and then I did massive damage to the you can games. Um, and then I did Facebook. So those, those initial three were like teams of minus you can games was like teams of like 10 people, like literally 10 people. Um, and I kind of really enjoyed that environment. And also as a, I guess as you were younger, you, I mean, I, I mean, I'm making it sound like I'm super old. I'm not that old, but you know, you had a lot more energy. So, you know, you like working long hours. You, I mean, at least I did. I, I like working long hours. I like really getting to know my coworkers. I, I like burning them in that oil with them uh, and really putting in a lot of work. And that's not really the culture you get in bigger companies, right? And of course, when Facebook came calling, I was like, I don't know, I'm going to try. I don't care. <laughs> like, it's Facebook. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, first of all, I was very lucky to get uh, my position at Facebook. I consider, I think it was very lucky. How so? Um, we can get into that later. All right. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, everyone, I mean, everyone comes in with some, some sense of luck, I guess, especially if you're in university still, don't get me wrong. There's some geniuses out there. I don't think I was a genius. Uh, but what was I saying? I forgot. Startups. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So uh, after trying Facebook, um, I, I, I got a sense of the culture of what it was, what it was like not in a startup. Uh, and then, you know, uh, around that time, startups were also getting massively funded. I mean, the only thing that was keeping in Facebook was like, oh, you get paid a lot, right? You know what I mean? Like Facebook does compensate you quite a bit. Uh, but then I, and then I went to Athos, which was like this VC backed startup who was going to pay me the, the same amount basically. But then I got that, that vibe and that feel. So then I went for it. And yeah. so you were, you were in Silicon Valley, like most people, Stay in Silicon yeah, Valley. They stay, yeah, right? they, yeah, this they, is another. Or this everyone uh, <laughs> com- congregates to it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're an engineer. Yeah, dude. It's. Um, but you went back to the island. Yeah, it's. I went back to the motherland. Can you? Can I call? Is that just Russia, or can you call it the no, motherland? I, yeah, we call, call it the, the motherland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fatherland. I think not Germany is fatherland. Is it? Yeah, I think. Is that so. how it is? Well, I, Does well, that mean, I think Russia and Germany are are together their parents well they had the whole who's their child the fascism and yeah socialist or communist who's uh, their communist child communist fascist child yeah who's their communist fascist child is is it north korea (laughs) oh my god (laughs) this makes sense okay no it doesn't make any sense um yeah so there were a couple reasons actually one of the reasons was um i was not a canadian citizen so i was in the states uh under j1 visa which is like a student visa i don't want to get into the whole visa situation basically i had a visa issue 
and I could have renewed my J1 visa, but like uh, at that point in time, uh, I remember what ended up happening was I had worked at Athos and had graduated for about a year-ish, a year and a little bit more, and my sister got married. So when my sister got married, uh, obviously, you know, I, I went to the wedding. It was in Bali. It was beautiful. Uh, I came home. Oh, right. I remember. So Bali is actually in your country. Bali is in wow. my country. Yeah, a lot. Of, it's 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 uh. So one of the most um, I don't I don't mean this to be like angry. One of the most ignorant things that always happens is like people will ask me like, "Oh, where are you from?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm from Indonesia." And they're like, "What? Where?" And I'm just like, "Oh, you know the." Bali and they'd be like oh like yeah Bali I'm like dude come on man you don't know the country like come on <laughs> it's a massive country yeah well, it's not big it's a lot of islands well there's a lot of people too yes, the population a, is massive there's a lot of people not it's condensed right yeah. like the land itself there's, it's not that mm-hmm. big I mean it's bigger right. yeah but there's a lot of islands um, so anyway my sister had a wedding in Bali and then I went right and I went and I had a great time um, saw my family Know, saw my sisters, my parents, uh, some of my old friends, um, and I don't know, dude. Like, it was a combination of like, okay, like I'm growing a little bit older. I'm recognizing the value of like family, and you know, I haven't seen them in like, well, I, I really haven't seen them in or lived with them in like four to five years. Actually, it was five. It was five and a half years at that point in time, I think. Um, and then aside from that, my parents also have a business back home. Obviously, it's very generic. Very generic, like third world boy who comes to you know work at, uh, comes to school in an international place. Their parents have a business, and uh, you know even more to that stigma, I was the only boy because I had three sisters, one to one twin, two older sisters, um, and you know you know they were always prepping me, or they were always saying like, oh you know you need to come back and like take over this company, you need to come back and give this a try, right? And at that point in time, you know. Uh, it was a combination of that and a combination of like me missing my parents or like me missing my family or wanting, sorry, not missing them. I wanted more relationships with them, I guess. So I was like, okay, you know what? My visa is expiring. Uh, literally what I told myself was like, if I, so H1B was another visa you could take or you can get, which is like a better version of J1, uh, but it was a lottery. Like it was just, it just depends on luck. So I was like, okay, my visa is expiring soon. Uh, they're applying for H-1B. If I get it, I'm going to stay. If I don't get it, I'm going to go home. And I I mean, I'm very, I'm not, I'm not a planner. I'm like, I go with the flow. Um, and that's just my reason for, that's like, just because I'm lazy. That's like, I, I say I go with the flow, but really I'm just lazy. Um, so I just made that pact to myself. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do whatever destiny like gives me, right? And then I didn't get the visa. So I was like, all right, I'm going home. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually uh, it's actually crazy. So I went home. Uh, I didn't tell my parents. I told my sisters. And uh, what I did was, um, what I did was, uh, I told my sisters to take my parents out to this dinner place. And I was sitting right next to them. And I was wearing like a hat. And the whole time I was just ordering dinner and like eating by myself. And my parents were like, were like going nuts, like like on our WhatsApp group. We're like, oh my god, there's this guy who looks like you. Like what the fuck? Like who? Like oh my god, he looks exactly like you. And then they were doing that for like an hour. And then I finally told them, and they were they were really happy. It's really good. That was wow. a good surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like that was like the one of the, the one of the things I remember most about moving back. Um, obviously, with everything else that I did, Tokopedia, and I opened a board game cafe too. You did? Wait, I didn't tell you that? No. Oh, I... yeah. I opened a board game cafe. All right. Tell me about that. So, because the whole point of me going back home was to see my parents and my family, but also to take over the business, right? That's the, that's the idea. Okay. So, what? So okay. 
When what you, business? Wait, yeah, so what, what business? So <laughs> There's in a my lot mind, to cover I, I, I was thinking, is, are your parents one of the co-founders of Tokopedia? No, oh my god, man. If my parents were one of the co-founders of Tokopedia, they will not let me leave. I mean, I wouldn't want to leave either. Like, at that point, like, I think the product itself is, like, enough for me to, like... I mean, that's not true. I don't know if I would want to leave. But that's that's way bigger. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Let's yeah, not yeah, get into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you're like, oh, if your parents own, like, I don't know, yeah, Amazon, I guess. Yeah. When you're a Bezos' kid. Well, I, you know what? I'd like to think that Bezos would be like, oh, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. I feel like he would do that. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. I, I feel like he would totally be like, nah, do what you want. Well, he's doing whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, right exactly. Now, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I think, yeah, never mind. That's not a good comparison. Though. So then let's go back to the board sure. game cafe. Uh, no. I, well, okay. Do you want to know what parents do? Or yeah. Do you want show me the connection. Me? The connection. Okay. Well, there's no connection. That's the connection. Okay. <laughs> but I can tell you how I yeah. came to make a board game cafe. So my parents uh, buy and sell cables. And whenever I say that, people always think like, uh, like cable as in like television, right? Uh, but that's not true. Yeah. It's actual cable. So fiber optic, uh, copper cables. Like the main thing, the main cables that people use are like copper, aluminum, or fiber optic, right? Uh, fiber optic is becoming big, you know. And what they do is basically they uh, bring in international brands, and there's a big four brand in, locally in Indonesia as well that's very well known. And they are distributors, right? They're not manufacturers; they're distributors. Um, but they hold, you know, distributing uh, licenses for uh, international brands that that only they hold, for example, and. What they do is they go pitch and uh, uh, they go to like companies or like people who want to build like, I don't know, hotels or whatever it is. And, they, you know, they, they pitch whatever cables that they have that they need. So, um, yeah, that's that's what they do, basically. Um, so I did that, obviously, when I first came back for about six months. Um, and I really didn't like it. I really didn't like it. It was unfortunate. Um, were you an engineer or were you? I was not an engineer. Well, the thing is, is like uh, with, I guess, I guess because they're distributors, uh, they were like 80% sales. Like, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. They have, they have support engineers for installation, but they're installation engineers. Like, you know what I mean? Like they don't work on the product. So yeah, it's not a SaaS company. Yeah, it's not. And um, I think what I really found there, or at least the value that I got from going back and actually, you know, working with my parents was I, I knew that that Asia was not the working culture that I had come to love and appreciate. And at the same time, I knew that I really needed to work with product. Like I knew that although I'm a like I'm a people person and I like talking to people, I don't want to do that for my job. Like my job, I want to be involved in product. That's where I feel affected. That's where I feel motivated. And I, and I really came to light in those six months that I worked with them where, like, you know, it's primarily lobbying, you know. You go out and you meet people. You take them to lunch. You know, you, you tell them about your product. And you don't really have a full, deep, under, rich understanding of your product. But you, you know it at a surface level enough to, like, give a pitch. That's the, that's the point, right? Um, and I didn't even realize at the point. Like, I didn't know that I was working on product for the past three years of, of my career, but I was, and, and that, that came into light when I wasn't working on product. So, I mean, I don't take it as a loss. It was like, oh great, like I know, like I know what I like now, or like at least I know uh, what I really don't like, so then I can like focus on what it is that I want. So uh, fast forward, actually, uh, I kind of figured that out three months in, <laughs> out of the six months that I was there. So three months in, I was like, okay, I don't want to do this. Um, of course, it's going to take time to ease my parents out of this. What can I do in between, right? So, um, uh, I, as I mentioned, I worked in massive games, uh, sorry, massive damage and you can games. And the thing that's common about these two is that they're, 
their uh, mobile games. Uh, that's actually why I got into engineering or programming in the first place was because I loved games as a kid. You know, my dream was like to make like a Mega Man game. I don't, I don't, like I don't know why people like I guess like to Mega Man is generic or like it was just like one of the games I enjoyed the most as a kid. Um, so I was like, okay, I could either make uh, like I have time now. I can focus on things that I'm passionate about, which is like tech and games, right? I can either do both. Right, but I knew that it would take too much time. I knew that I didn't have the resources available. I didn't have the skills uh, of like artists, for example, that I would need to 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 effectively do this uh, in a short amount of time or like in the near future. So I was like, okay, well, what else can I do, right? And I don't know. I guess uh, this actually happened on a date. <laughs> so one of the things you do is like, okay, when you're like unhappy with your job, and then you're like, okay, I don't know exactly what I want to do yet. What do you do? You focus on your love life, right? Like I don't know. I guess that's what I did. <laughs> so I, I went on a lot of dates, and one of the dates I went on, uh, she lived a little bit outside the outside of Jakarta, right? Um, so I went to her place, and we were hanging out, and we were thinking about like, oh, you know, what what can we do? Like, what should we do on this date? And she's like, oh, I know this cafe. Like, let's go here. It's called the Bunker. I still remember. I was like, oh, the Bunker, cool. So I took her. We went, and the Bunker turned out to be a board game cafe. And I remember, th- I remember thinking like, oh, cool. I didn't know this was here. Like, I didn't know this this could this could exist here because obviously, like, board game cafes are are was popping, and in the like I don't know early two thousands or like they they started becoming popular. Sorry, two thousand ten probably like around two thousand ten. And even here in Toronto, you know, Snakes and Lattes is very well known, stuff like that, Castle and all that stuff. So obviously, that, that was like one of the things I had already considered, but I was like. That's not gonna work in Jakarta uh, for for a lot of reasons. One is like pe- people are too lazy. Some people like people don't want to learn how to play games. It might be too complicated for them. Uh, also, like you can't pay as much. Obviously, like monetarily, like it just doesn't make sense. Like here, it costs way too much. But in Jakarta, that would just that would just not make sense. That amount of money. Um, but lo and behold, I went to the bunker and it was crowded. Like you know, I was like, wow, there's a lot of people here. Um, and, I, and, and the place was huge. Like it was two floors. It was huge. They had so many games. And I was like, well, if they can do it. Like this must mean that it's possible. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I, at the point I was just cynical. I was just like, no, it's not going to work. Fuck it. I'm not going to think about it. So I went home after the date. Didn't work out. I saw her for like about two times, but it didn't work out. But she left me with a great idea. So thank you, uh, Michelle. Thank you. <laughs> Wherever you are. Uh, She's not gonna listen to this podcast, no way. Uh, of course she will. No, I, she, I, have a, I have an international no, audience. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> I, that would be the day she listens to this podcast. Podcast is when you've made it, Dan. One hundred percent. If she listens to this podcast, hello world, Dan has made it. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I went home and I crunched the numbers. You know, I was like, okay, well, you know, if I charge this much, and I, you know, I brought in this many board games, you know, how long will it take? How much does it cost to rent? And then it just made sense you know what i mean i was like oh listen like worst case scenario i'll be in the green best case scenario i'll, I'll make money like this is good this works and i like it i'm passionate about it so so yeah what i did for the next month was i just kept going to the bunker played so many games asked them to teach me and then i like did my own research and then i found out like who i can buy board games from and then i just bought a board game rented a place renovated it did a little bit of interior design i'm not good but you know it was cheap um and yeah coop board wow. game cafe popped up after three months three or four months of work yeah three to four months yeah. to three, set all three, that up three or four months of work i mean dude that's the thing right that's like i i really hate long drawn out projects 
it's because I think the more drawn out it is, the 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 more my motivation gets sapped away. So if I can't see the end goal, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, <laughs> this is definitely one of my weaknesses, uh, then I become unmotivated. So I knew exactly how long I needed uh, Coop needed to take in order for it to to be successful. Oh, I also got a partner that helped. Uh, I got a partner who was uh, who was in the cafe business, so he had connections to like coffee machines and um, uh, baristas, um, and he also had some construction knowledge, so he had access to like construction workers. So I could work with him. I was mainly the board game guy and the designer guy of like how this is gonna look. Um, and then yeah, we just rented a place. We rented it for two years. It was close to my house. We 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 found a place that was like one close to my house and also like a very busy street. Uh, close to my house, obviously, because like I can go there every day, um, and yeah, dude, and we just did it. Just pulled the trigger, took the money I had, I self-funded it. You know, it wasn't finance or anything like that. Took the money I got from Silicon Valley, just poured it into this. I was 70 percent. He's thirty percent, um, and yeah, it was running in six months. And then after six months of running, uh, which is a year now, I've been in Jakarta. Uh, it was self-sufficient. You know, like we got a manager and everything was running by itself. So I was like, okay, well, I'm done with this now. <laughs> what do I want to do now? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's, that, that was basically my mindset. And then I was like, okay, well, I can go back to Canada, you know, but I want to do that. And I think at the time, uh, Coop was just getting okay. So I was like, okay, well, I should stay here. And also I'm still here with my parents, obviously, and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well let's look for the best tech company in Jakarta that I can join, right? So uh, the ones that popped up, uh, you might not know them, but you know, they're Traveloka, Gojek, and Tokopedia. So Gojek is like Uber. Traveloka is basically Google Flights, Hotels.com. Yeah, it's like Hotels.com. And then Tokopedia is like Amazon. Mm-hmm. So those are the three. Yeah, I know Gojek. That you know Gojek? Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, so those are the three, basically. Uh, and I interviewed all three, and I decided to go with Tokopedia because um, they just seemed like uh, they were seem they seemed like they were at the cusp of massive growth. That's why I joined them. Uh, I joined their iOS team. I was there for a year, um, and then I don't I don't even know how this happened. But I was like, I guess after a year, I was like, okay, it's it's like if I'm really if I'm if I really want to move back into tech, I should get out of here. I should go back. Like that that was my mindset. I was like, what 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 brought on that mindset? You're at you know the the company to be in Southeast Asia. Uh, well, I mean a couple of reasons. One of the one of it is pay. Obviously, like, you know, I, I get paid a lot more here, right? Uh, and at the same time, it's like, um, yeah, they are leading in Southeast Asia. I don't think they're leading in the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I also wanted access to um, more talented engineers. Uh, I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm mean, not, not to say that they don't have talented engineers, at least in my team. I, I, I firmly believe that, like, there are people who are even better out here, and I want to learn from them. So, uh, and aside from that, I also, it's, I mean, it was at that point, it was like, this is like literally the deadline if I want to save my Canadian citizenship, which is why I'm here and I can't leave. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's actually fine. I'm not breaking the rules, but I just literally can't leave, which sucks. Um, but uh, yeah, in a year and a half, I can go. I'll take you to Indonesia. It'll be good. All It'll be right. Fun. All yeah, right. It'll be fun. Um, but yeah, dude. And then I decided uh, I was going to move back to Canada. Right. Or I wanted to I wanted to figure out how I could move back to the States 
And I figured out there's no way. The only way you can do it is if you pay a million dollars to get uh, I, apparently there's a way to pay a million dollars to get a green card or something. And I'm like, okay, well, no one's gonna sponsor me for that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not worth a million dollars, like, <laughs> to like move there. Just like, um, so I was like, okay, well, I gotta look for remote work. And then my friend who worked at Angelus, uh, who I stayed connected to, he was just like, listen, dude, we're hiring. We get you get paid a lot, and they're people here are sick and i'm like all right sure let's do an interview and initially he was like we accept remote engineers um this is what i'm telling you i don't plan things then i legit i'm hor- i don't know if this is good i'm pretty sure it's bad but it works for me so he was like uh we're hiring remote engineers uh they will let you work from jakarta i was like fuck that's so sick i'm gonna get paid usd i can still work at my cafe and I, I stay in Jakarta, and I get paid USD. Like, come on, like that's a sweet deal, right? You know what I mean? So I, got, I did the interview process, whatever, and I got hired. Right? They were like, okay, great. I was talking to um, uh, uh, one of the one of one of the managers. His name is Koppel. He's a great guy, great guy. And he was like, okay, great. Like, you know, we're, we're gonna hire you, stuff like that. We're just gonna work out the comp and everything, exactly how much. But you're gonna work from Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good, right? I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, we're gonna get back to you in two days. I'm like, cool. Two days passes by, nothing. And he's like, sorry, you know, we got to, like, confirm some things. We're going to get back to you in another two days. I'm like, all right, cool. Two days passes by, still nothing. And he's like, okay, um, actually, our CEO wants to talk to you. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go talk. So, and then, um, and then uh, I met Amit, Amit, which is our, our CEO for uh, Angelus Talent. And he was like, good uh, hey dude like you know everything's cool like i heard everything like awesome we wanted you in the team i'll be honest with you you can't work from jakarta <laughs> i was like dude what do you mean you told me like literally the start of all of this was like i can work from jakarta and he's like i know i know they said all that i'm sorry they promised that and he's like i just don't think it's gonna work like you're young you ha- you want to have a life if you work from jakarta you're literally going to like be sleeping throughout the day and i was like i will do it i don't care and the meat's like i don't think it's gonna work you have to like would you would you consider moving to canada and i was like ah oh, i don't know man i don't know and legitimately i was like okay let me think about it i don't know and he's like yeah okay offer stands if you move to canada we're good to go you can work remotely i was like okay cool so he hung up the phone and obviously like what do what do people do normally when in this type of situation they would like oh i don't know do like pros and cons list and like think about this for like a week or whatever i legit he hung up the phone i thought about it for like two minutes and i was like fuck it i'm moving to canada <laughs> i was like fuck it i just said over you i'm like yeah, i'll do it <laughs> hey dude you just gotta you gotta pull the trigger sometimes all right you just gotta Jesus. you gotta do what feels right i don't know at damn. the moment it felt right i don't regret it now damn i also had a girlfriend at the time oh damn she was horrible i'm oh. glad i'm glad I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> She's Korean. It's my first time dating a Korean girl. Not saying I'm not. I don't want to be stereotypical here, but she was insane, man. She was crazy. Um, and I'm horrible at breaking up with people, like really bad. It literally took me moving to a different country, and not be able to move back for two years to break up with this girl. And it was like me being like, ah, oh, you know, it's like it's two years. I don't know. What do you think? And she's like, oh, it's probably not good. I'm like, all right, if that's what you think. Not bad. That's like the stereotype of guys on how they break I, up. I, I oh, just, I just, I'm bad. I'm sorry. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm honest here. At least I'm honest. No, right? yeah, that's, that's least, awesome. Yeah, at least I'm We honest, appreciate right? that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we de- you know, before we did the interview, we talked about how, like, you know, I'm... Did a- I not ever tell you about any of this? No. Have you ever... We had a... T- oh, I guess we only had, like, one 
sit down talk. Yeah. It was mostly about career. Yeah, it was mostly about like yeah. It was mostly about like me too. So that's why I felt mm. like I want to learn more about you. Yeah, Dan, stop talking about yourself. Yeah, my my story is not that interesting. No, that's not true. You have five cities. Thanks, man. Wow. White, white sports, you know, I missed <laughs> out on that. But um, yeah. So yes, yeah, so that's that's crazy though that you just made all these snap judgments and everything just like yeah, dude. I, happened. I don't I don't know how to. Is that the luck part you talked about with like Facebook too? <laughs> uh, yeah. Honestly, I mean that that's that's not. That's, I'm sure that plays a part into it. That's not exactly what I was talking about. Um, but I, I don't, I guess that's like just how I, I've lived my life. And I, mm. I'm not like, again, I, like I'm saying, I don't think it's correct or the most optimum. I, that's, that's actually the most, I think that's the way, the right way to say it. It's not the most optimum. I don't think it's right or it's wrong. Um, but Hey, it's worked for me. You know, I'm just not a planner. Like I get, um, if I think about, if I overthink, if I think about something too much, I, I tend to overthink and then I just like, my head just gets bloated and then like, I just can't make a decision. So what I end up doing is just making snap calls and you just kind of live with the results. Like, you know what I mean? I think it's okay as long as you don't have regret. I mean, I don't regret it so far. So, so wait, far. so what happened to, uh, what happened to Coop? It's still running. It's still running. Oh yeah. Until, yeah. It's still running, dude. So, um, again, snap call. I was like, I was like, I'm moving to Canada. Of course, one of the things I had to do was figure out what i'm gonna do with coop right so i just called up my partner i'm like listen dude i'm moving to canada he's like what the fuck and i'm like yeah i'm moving to canada i'm gonna give you 20 percent, and you're gonna keep it running what do you think and he's like yeah it sounds good i'm like all right <laughs> that's legit so now it's 50 50 he runs it and i i just chill and you just get a a, a payment yeah so month. we don't we don't do uh we don't do uh we decided not to do dividends so what, what we do is we just kind of keep it uh in our bank account and then we just kind of put in like an investment vehicle or something and then we're gonna pull it out once we're done uh it's profitable so we might just keep it running obviously like it's not a lot of uh, uh it's not a lot of work for him to keep it running because he just needs to he needs to like rehire some people and stuff like that so obviously if if it continues to become profitable i think we're just gonna keep it running so we just extend it again for another two years at the place um and we'll re- re- revisit that in two years right wow so, yeah, yeah. Look at that pa- hashtag pas- passive income hashtag, going on. Hashtag wow. passive income. Unfortunately, it's Indonesian uh, rupiah and not dollars, so it's 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 just that. Yeah. So what's what's the kind of engineer pay difference between someone in North America oh, dude. versus like here, like uh, versus Jakarta? Like, okay, there's different. So um, obviously, uh, Canadian and U.S. gets paid differently as well. Right. So are you asking like Indonesian to U.S. to U.S. but the same level? Let me think about that. It's like five x and above. Yeah, dude. That's that's why I had to consider. Like, listen, I'm not like I'm not like always like oh you know like I need all the cash. Like, if it's like a five percent increase or ten percent increase, I'm like whatever. I don't give a fuck, right? But if it's a five x, like you know what I mean. Wow. At that point, I'm like okay, I gotta leave. Like, and the thing is, is like I was so honest with them. I went to Tokopedia and I'm like, listen, I I I like you guys. But like, I won't be honest with you. I'm getting an offer that it's like five, six x of whatever I'm getting paid right now, and they're just like, "Yeah, there's nothing we can do about that." And I'm like, "Fair." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not their fault. It's just the economy hasn't caught up to that to that point yet. Yeah, it's and, market economics. And and at some and at some point, I mean, obviously, engineers in, in the states, I think, are. Uh, uh, actually, I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. I'm not gonna finish that sentence. <laughs> oh, come on, man! It's like leaving me. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna finish that sentence right there. It's a conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. We'll do that off here. 
Um, and this kind of brings up to this segment that I've been wanting to try out where... Um, sure. This, common sense. Yeah. Un, or I want to call it uncommon sense. Un, uncommon common sense. Exactly. Uncommon sense. Exactly. I like that. Are you going to gonna coin that? I want to. I is, want... is uncommon sense not a thing? Well, no, I like that. It, it, it is, I think it's a Is thing. it in Urban Dictionary? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, if it's not, you can... Con- like, if it's not in Urban Dictionary, dude, I'm pretty sure it's not a thing. And you can... You can uh, coin it. You think so? This is this is gonna be your 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 breadwinner right here. This is the golden goose you have been waiting for. Oh yeah. Oh no, they have it. Oh, Urban Dictionary has it. damn it, Dan! Yeah, so yeah, close. Yeah. Well, I heard it from other investors talking about it. So it that's, is, yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. thing then. What do you mean? I mean, it is a thing. Sorry, you didn't yeah. make it up there. No, no, I didn't make it up. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I screamed into the. I'm I'm sorry, everyone. It's alright. I'll adjust the volume. Oh, okay, good. But so one one thing I'm curious about. So there's a couple things actually, kind of tailored to around um, Indonesia. So one thing I noticed when I was back when I was an investor, um, I was looking in Southeast Asian countries and yeah. the social media messaging apps people use. And Indonesia has a very large population that uses BBM. Yes. Why is that? They're the only country that uses BBM. I, I, I'm sure there's an actual geographical and scientific explanation to this, but from a perspective of one of the kids who was part of the hype it was just cool like straight up no one used iphones like there was something very satisfying and very cool about the bbm keyboard obviously even now yeah like there's it's and and now it's because of loyalty like don't get me wrong like like, of course it's gone down like a lot more people use iphone stuff like that and i think a part of it is one is access like we just didn't have access to iphones dude like Apple stores are not a thing in Indonesia. Like, if you wanted to get an iPhone, like, like okay, first of all, like, you have to understand. I don't know how what it was like to get like you know how you hear you, you go you get phones from like from Apple or you get phones from like Rogers and whatever of all these like really well known brands and they're everywhere. In Indonesia, you get phones by going to like the Pacific Mall of Toronto, and there's like. Like two hundred million, exaggerate million stores, and they all sell like phones from God knows where. Like you know what I mean? That's that's how you got phones back then. It's legit. Wow. Like like you, there's no legit store. Like you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know why they didn't have iPhones, or maybe iPhones just didn't penetrate the market enough. But BBMs was everywhere. Like that, Blackberries was the thing. One, it was cool, and two, we had access to it. So everybody kind of adopted it, and I think because of that, everyone also fell in love with the um, the keyboard because people love messaging, like you know what I mean. And up to this point, I, I firmly believe that the reason why BBM is still prevalent there is because of loyalty, like brand loyalty. They're just used to it. I mean, all the old people kind of adopted it because the kids did, um, and then the old people aren't going to change. Like you know, what I mean, they don't really use iPhones, uh, and the kids nowadays, of course, they use iPhones, and there's more access to it now. Like you know what I mean. Uh, but back then, that's why. Mm. And so, you know, you've, you've lived in Jakarta, you've lived in uh, Sil- Silicon Valley, you've lived in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so Sorry, give me my three cities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but when you came back to Toronto after your time at Tokopedia, like, what, what are things that you kind of noticed here where, where you thought, were there things at all where you noticed like, yes, huh, wow, no, this dude. is so... <laughs> Freaking snow. <laughs> that's the first thing I recognized. What about like different kind of cultural nuances or like yeah, infrastructure? Abso- absolutely. Are you kidding me? Um, it's funny because I kind of went full circle. What I mean by that is um, I lived in Jakarta 
but that was the first culture I knew, right? So I didn't really know of other cultures, and for me, that was just normal. What I mean by cultures, I meant like, you know, you know what people value, how they think, um, just what, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing, is like what people value and how they think and, and, and how they, they act on a day-to-day basis, like with the things that they do on, on like days off, things they do when they actually work and stuff like that. Um, and I didn't really get a lot of that, or I did, and I thought it was so normal before I moved to Canada for the first time because I was young, right? And it's safe to say that, like, you, you develop a lot of your, not all of them, but a lot of your adult characteristics in university. And I was in university, like, in Canada for all my university years. So, obviously, I was, I was adopting this new culture, right? And it was a lot easier because I was in that state of change. Because I was, like, I wanted to, or, like, I was, you know, figuring out who I was or, I don't know, something cliche. Um, and I adopted Canada with open arms, right? Like the cultures of Canada or the cultures of like a first world country and stuff like that. And then when I came back to Indonesia, uh, that was a culture shock. It's weird because like for me, the initial jump to Canada wasn't that much of a culture shock because I I didn't really have set values yet. And, uh, I was also open-minded and I was like a happy kid. So it was like, I was just like, okay, this is how people are in university. It wasn't like, oh, this is how people are in university here. as opposed to people who are in university in Jakarta. Whereas like when I was in my adult life already and I moved back to Indonesia, yes, I saw a lot of differences. You know what I mean? Like um, what? Oh, dude, uh, there's a lot, man. What, what's, a lot. what sticks out to your mind as like a common thing or it frequently? It's hard. Man. I, I got to represent my country. Like, come on. Uh, but obviously, I mean, people focus on the bad, right? There are there are good things, but people focus on the bad. Obviously, uh, I think I think people uh, value time differently. Uh, I think people are not as punctual. I mean, Canada's also lax, but Indonesia's really lax. Uh, people also value different things. Like, um, I think social media is a lot more bloated there. Not not to say that it isn't here, but it's more widespread. Uh, people live through social media a lot more. How can you explain that part? People live online a lot more, and there's actually a reason for this. I mean, one is one is I think it's just different culture, right? But two is because uh, Indonesia is very heavy on traffic, very heavy on traffic. And you might think like, oh, well, like so what, right? When I say heavy on traffic, I mean like every day only gets worse during times, but it's always consistently bad, right? To the point where, like, if you were to go out with your friends on a weekend, you can only go to one place. Like, not by choice. Like, legit, you can only go to one place and you just don't have time. Because you, it takes, like, an hour and a half to get there. And chill there. And you take an hour and a half to get somewhere else. And you chill. Like, just, you just can't. Like, maximum maybe two. But that's, like, if you spend the whole day with them. Right? So, what ends up happening is, like, you just don't have access to go to a lot of places people end up living in their memories or like people end up like living online because that's how they reach out to like more things to do. Does that make sense? Mm. Right. Um, what else, what else was I going to say? Yeah, I'm curious on the, the, the time thing. How, what's a, what's an example of like how, how egregiously different is it? This just people, people just, how late are they? Unnormally? People just late, dude. People just late. <laughs> you guys not even set time. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing though, because I mean, the traffic factors into this as well. Right. Mm. But like, People late. People like thirty minutes is normal. <laughs> Sorry, I was late today too. But like, 30... see, I'm trying to fight back the habit because I got into it because I got home. Because I remember the first time I was back, I was like, "Yo, all right, let's meet at one." And my friend shows up at two, and I'm just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and you can't even get mad at him. Yeah, exactly. And you can't even get mad at him. And now I'm getting better. Like I'm 15. I was 15 minutes late. My bad. 
Got to you know go to the gym, Dan. Come on, you gotta support a support a man. I, just, no, yeah, just trying to be fit, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm in full try, support of that. Trying to be fit. Um, let's see what else. There, there's a lot more. I I forgot. Um, so okay, so one of the goods, and you can take this as good or bad, but people really exist there as a unit, and I think this is like very consistent across the board for like third world versus first world. Uh, people don't really want to or are expected to live as individuals. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's like as a friend, you are in a friend group. As a child, you are in a family group, and you exist as that family group, and other people perceive you as like a member of that person, as opposed to like a person. Like, does that make sense? Um, and that translates to a lot of things. Translates to like uh, how they talk to you. Translates to like uh, the things that they see value in you and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, and there's more specific nuances, but I think I'm very biased, so I don't think I'm not sure if that's like a good uh, representation. And then, so if if you took the other side when you came to Canada, what what are some things like you you missed? Yeah, I think it's oh okay, I forgot. There's one thing that I really miss and I really loved when I came back to Canada. Um, so in Indonesia, um, you don't go outside. That's not a thing because it's polluted. It's kind of dirty. Uh, not saying like it's like toxic, like you know what I mean. Like it's just not a thing people do. People don't generally go outside. Like people are always in. Someone's house, then you get into a car, then you go somewhere else that's indoor. That's that's just what you do. Like you go to a restaurant, you go to a mall, you go to watch a movie, you go to your friend's house. Like that's that's what people do. Like people are always and part of the reason is also because it's super hot. So it's like you need air conditioning all the time or you're like drenched all the time. So you always need to be indoors. So I really miss like being able to like because you know, like I said, I'm not a planner. I really miss being very nonchalant with my day, especially my off days. Like, does that make sense? Because uh, part of the re- like part of the things that comes with like a traffic is that you have to plan your day because if you if you don't plan your day you're just not you can't do anything like you know what I mean whereas here I can like on a Saturday or whatever day I can just walk out and like go to the park or grab some food and come back and everything's fine hmm. so yeah I really miss the outdoor activities um, that being said don't confuse this with like nature Indonesia has a lot of nature. Jakarta has a lot of nature that you can. It's outside of the city, but it's beautiful. You can, you can like for a weekend just go out and like visit a waterfall and like do some questionable things that maybe for whole countries won't allow, like jumping into the waterfall and stuff like that. Like you know what I mean? So it's fun, and you can like climb down the waterfall. Like I did that. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, so you know, ups and downs, but yeah, yeah, that's one. And, and individuality. That's a big thing. Individuality here for me. I I I, I really appreciate it when i meet someone and they're them instead of they're a the, part of something the collective yeah collective don't get me wrong being a being a collective is good for a certain cause but like i really miss having conversations with someone with a lot of individuality because i i find it a lot more um uh, relatable yeah i think that that's actually a common perspective people have between the, yeah. the difference between western oh, yeah. and eastern philosophy oh, yeah. i don't i don't know if the origination is from like confucianism um but confucius does talk heavily about the social responsibility one has, especially towards the family, etc. I, 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 and I had this conversation, I forgot, with one of my friends the other day. I think it was with Andy, actually. Mm. It was like, which is better? And the answer is, we don't know. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, I guess it depends on what your values are. Like, don't get me, like, I think if you're trying to advance humanity, I think, the, I think you can make a point where, like, individuality actually is valuable, but also, like, also, like, prosperity is obviously, like, a big thing, and that's definitely, like, if you're part of a collective that's easier mm-hmm. right like so i i don't know yeah i, I don't think it's a sim- it can get as simple with black and white as like what's better i will yeah. i think the more i've learned about philosophy it's just become that everything's 50 shades of gray 
Yeah, but then does that solve anything? I guess it's like makes you not ignorant, but like, don't you need to like take a stance? Yeah, or like the point of the point of this is like, sorry, I guess not. That's not the point of philosophy. But like, if you wanted it to be effective, don't doesn't everyone need to be on board? I think so. The way I'm thinking about it lately has been rather it's kind of a you pick and choose based on situations. Like, yes, but like in those situations, if people don't agree with you, right? I think though that's. So this, I think, kind of relates to kind of Nietzsche's uh, point of view. Of, he has like he had Ooh. like the uh, Frederick Nietzsche. Okay. So he had a point of view about I forget if it's called like the Uberman complex or something. Okay. Where Uberman. He, he like it's kind of the Superman. Okay. So he believed that certain people, certain individuals carry the weight. Yeah, or they they have the ability and Got the talent. It. So to, the rest yeah. of society has to do their best to support that person instead of the who, collective doing well. Who who are we talking about? Like like Elon Musk here. Well, get us to Mars, Iran. Right. But you see, that's the thing. Where like I, I still, I personally believe in the power of the individual. Where their individuals change, the unreasonable individuals tend to change the world much more so. And I think the collective eventually joins in. It's the curve, right, of the early adopters I, I and think, then the early majority. I think you're right. I think at least history tells that you're right. Hmm. Right, and I think I, I also think the main reason the main reason that you're right is because there hasn't been a collective that's unanimous, mm. right? Like, if you imagine that, obviously it's never going to happen, right? We're just living in a fantasy world here. If there's a collective that's unanimous, like, communism would actually work, right? In some ways. I mean, I'm not saying it would work. I'm just saying, like, it wouldn't be corrupted the way it is. Like, you know what I mean? And at the same time, like, I don't know. But I think the collective is supposed to operate at, a, at, at like, 100% buy-in. And if that was the case, then you can then you can make that comparison. Um, that being said, I'm all about individuality. <laughs> Disclaimer. I think, <laughs> um, I think Nassim Taleb point uses um, sizing of groups as a way of looking at different um, dynamics. So Got it. I think he I said, see what you mean. Yeah, like at the smallest circle, Got it. You're a socialist, and mm-hmm. then at the largest circle, you're a democrat. Mm-hmm. So that that perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why. Maybe, it might relate to like your time at like startups where when you're at a small company with 10 people, a socialist Definitely. mindset would work better because of the small collective mm-hmm. compared to at like Tokopedia or Facebook. Yeah. You have to be democratic. Someone, um, yeah. Unless you can just brainwash everyone, tell them what to do. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. I like how we're switching to philosophy here. Uh, I forgot what I wanted to talk about, but I, I like I like talking about this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, likewise. Oh, I think you're talking about, yeah, like the diff. Also, another thing that you brought up that I resonate heavily with is also just like yeah when you live in southeast asia like hong kong's not technically southeast asia but it's close to it where it's so yeah. humid that mm-hmm. yeah your entire it's life southeast is indoors. whatever yeah, yeah. sure it's yeah. your life is indoors yeah. right i'm just bumping from mall to mall to mall to mall there's a bit of a difference though mm. i've been to hong kong okay and and this no is, nature this is actually jakarta also doesn't have nature you have to go outside uh, right but i'm talking about like the the life that you live it's really weird um Remember how I told you, like, Indonesia is made of locals and Chinese Indonesians, right? In Hong Kong, you don't really have that disparity. Because of that disparity in Indonesia, like, the locals are the ones who kind of, like, chill at the streets. And that sounds horrible, but what I mean by that is, like, they, they're the ones who, like, you know, go outside and go to parks and take the public transit and stuff like that. And the Chinese Indonesians just don't, like... I mean, call it what it is. Like, I don't want to call it racism, but like, it's it, it's there's a there's a there's a difference in in lifestyle if you were local or if you're Chinese Indonesian in Jakarta, and it, it just hasn't caught up. Like, it's getting better, but that's that's the simplest way I can describe it. It's just like 
Yeah. If you're Chinese and Indonesians, you're always indoors. If you're locals, you're also indoors sometimes, but then you, you're also outside. It's just, it's, it's just the, the two worlds haven't fully collided. Yeah, I think there's a... My friend from the Philippines brought up recently too, where... So before I get to that, Philipp, my friends also used to always joke that they have Filipino time, which is always you're an hour or two hours yes. late. Two things See, as well. That's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. And so that he was, is legitimately a thing. And he was telling me how I think he's kind of more on the wall off side, but he's like, yeah, like I yeah. always have a driver. Yeah. And you always have a bodyguard yeah. wherever you go to. Well, I didn't have a bodyguard. Also, he's a driver. Yeah. Is he really well off? He's a bodyguard? That would probably mean he's really well off. Okay. He's a bodyguard. But it's very normal for people to have drivers and maids and stuff like that. And of course, all the drivers and maids are local. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's weird because I never thought that was anything, there was anything wrong with that. But then coming back as an adult, I felt uneasy. Mm. You know, there were times that I felt very uneasy. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, our family, or at least my family, is like super nice to them. But it's just, it's still weird. You know, um, and I, I don't know if I liked it. Right. It. You bring up a pretty interesting concept though, because I I had a maid when I lived in Hong Kong sure. as well. Um, and like yeah, like my family treats them. She treated her pretty nice, and yeah. she was actually very, like she 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 started crying when we had to go to Canada. Yeah. So she was like my previous boss. Like apparently the previous family, she was a maid. Horrible at, with them. Yeah, like they yeah. she yeah. wouldn't she was not allowed to sit. Yeah. Ever yeah. and she could, crazy. she never got to eat with them. But yeah. our maid like she ate with us. Yeah. Like I chatted with her a lot. Yeah, I know, man. And you know, I don't know, man. That that kind of stuff really breaks my heart. It's like it's like. I don't know, like, what can you do to change that? And I, I, don't get me wrong, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. It really is getting better, but... Yeah, I know. It's just, it's it's hard. As a child looking at it, you, you see no, you see nothing wrong with it. But, like, as an adult coming back, it's just, it's just... I think the thing that, that really uh, irks me, it's like, it's, it's, it's as if the society is saying that they value less, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, and you're, and you're part of it. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, okay. So one good thing is uh, when I was home, uh, our uh, in the Indonesian government, there's never been like a Chinese guy, right? This is like similar to Obama, I guess, but he didn't become president. But there was a Chinese governor, right? And he was making a lot of moves in um, colliding the two worlds, and this is scary. This is actually part of the reason why I moved, as well. Um, they put him in jail for two years. The local, no, the Chinese. So the so and, and that's the thing. Like the, like it's not like the way I, I've been describing. It, it's always like oh the, the Chinese people are oppressing the local people, right? Don't get don't get it twisted. I guess that's true because the Chinese are generally more well off, right? Obviously they have they have cash, right? But uh, the government's still full local, mm. like hundred percent. Don't get me wrong. It's probably backed by Chinese businessmen, right? Or like also local business, just businessmen, people with power. Um, but uh, an example of this is like, yeah, there was a Chinese governor who was a part of the Indonesian government, and uh, he was making a lot of moves to call out people who um, who were just not supporting this new world of like the two, like the locals and the Chinese people colliding, and also you know wanted to end corruption and stuff like that. And a lot of the higher up locals were not happy, and uh, they put him in jail for two years. I mean, there's a whole controversy because he, they were like, oh, like he says things and they were like, oh, he, you know, he's like, he's like, uh, he was, he's being rude to like our Islamic culture. And like, he was saying some like really horrible things about God. Like, I don't know, like they, they were twisting his words, obviously. And they put him in jail for two years, like literally. 
Mm. And that's scary, yeah. right? And as a child, that also existed. I just never knew. And as an adult, when being in that country, I was like, that is scary that they can actually do that. That's a thing. And the people are accepting of that. And it's getting better. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who take a stand. They're like, no, this is not right. But there's still more people who, who, who say, okay, just say like, okay, like this is what the government says that's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's scary. It's very scary. Yeah, I think there was a time when Koreans actually had a travel ban to Philippines because that was kind of the case where a lot of Koreans had immigrated to the Philippines, yeah. but they were the wealthy and so they were not very nice. They were kind of a little oppressive. Yeah. Um, and then there was a hit out on people who were of Korean nationality. And so then a lot end up getting kidnapped and murdered constantly. Dude. And so there was a ban Dude, that's a on thing. a national level. That's the thing, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think you're safe. You're fully safe anywhere, but like, hey, Canada. Canada's peace, it's man. It's awesome. I know, Canada's... I mean, I never appreciated it, but coming back here, I'm like, hey, people are... Like, sometimes you get a dude who's a little mean in the subway, but whatever. Other yeah. than that, they're pretty chill. No one's going to kidnap me here. No. Like, you know what I mean? No one's going to overthrow a government here like oh well maybe i, I don't i don't think so but if, even even when i go to developed countries so or developed cities like i i was counting the uh, other week and i've been to something like 68 69 we cities get it, we get it Dan. and you, you go to a lot of cities yeah okay? i travel a lot and um stop stop flexing man but Damn. but what i learned but whatever what i always like realize is i always start um being very grateful for toronto like it's actually a very nice city yeah man it is i actually feel very safe yeah. at night compared to like other yeah. cities even when I go back to Seoul, sometimes I feel safer in Toronto. Yeah. I think Toronto is definitely not the most colorful colorful city in the world, but it is colorful. It's actually very colorful. Mm. And it's it's that balance of like, it's colorful, it's fun, but at the same time, it's also very secure. Mm. And I, I mean, I can, you can't complain, man. At this point, you're complaining about first world problems, and I think that's a good position to be in. All the time, yeah. Yeah, and we have a guy here from the third world telling me about that. Yeah, so. I mean, hey, dude, it's true. I mean, I'm not like third world, third world, obviously. Right. But you know, I don't know. Developing me. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, actually, one thing I just remember what I wanted to talk about when we were talking about philosophy. Uh, I I like have this belief and this stand that like everybody just needs empathy. Mm. I think that empathy will solve a lot of issues. I agree. Yeah. I just think, like, people need to spend more time thinking about how other people feel. Uh, obviously, like, it's a little bit exaggerated in this day and age in, in some, in some contexts, but I think, like, true empathy is just, like, the best solution. And at that point, you don't have to be a collective. You don't have to always agree, right? But if you understand their perspective and you understand their pain, um, then, you know, it just leads to more peace. Yeah. There's an, actual, there's an essay that I was working on. It, it's not published yet, but it's one of uh, Damn, the ones I'm working on. Okay. And I've um, forever. <laughs> I wrote one every week. So. Jesus, damn. My, I think my, I think my folder has like something like 200 ideas right God now. God damn, but good for you. One, one is um, it's, it's the idea that one requires curiosity to actually develop empathy because empathy comes from understanding, that's, and then you need to be curious is, to understand. That is actually, that sounds really correct. Damn. Thanks, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't think about that. I, I always thought, I got. I guess you need. Yeah, you need curiosity because you're trying to understand something that you don't innately don't understand. That's the point of empathy. Right. Damn, that is a good point. Yeah, man, that's true. All right. I think, for my benefit, I think we're gonna end it off here so that I sound pretty wise, and we'll. End so it. you sound pretty wise. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Well played. Dude, Hans, this was a really fun chat, and I actually liked in this second segment. Maybe I'll do a little more and see yeah, if yeah, this yeah. turns into a second 
a second podcast. I I mean, hey, listen. <laughs> the I mean, I I'm I don't know which part sounded more interesting. It's it felt like the second part felt more interesting, but um, the first part's informative too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, man, thanks so much cool. for uh, coming to the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks Learned a lot me. about you today. Yeah, you did. A little too much, maybe. Mm, that's right. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, dude. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope the story was inspiring to you. It, hopefully, it also helped you expand your perspectives. Hopefully, it also made you question the default path that you might have been going on or the default beliefs you might have had. And maybe now it'll make you even think about doing something about it, doing something different, maybe challenging yourself, being courageous. Who knows? But regardless, I'm really happy that you took some time out of your day to listen to this fantastic story with my guest. And if you would like to somehow, in some way, contribute and help support the podcast and maybe even just be part of the community that I'm trying to build with the greater OMD Ventures platform, really think about being a stakeholder in the platform. And the quick way to do that is to go to my website, oldmandan.com and Go to the stakeholders page. I believe it's oldmandan.com slash stakeholder. And the link is also down below. And that's how you can figure out how you can subscribe, follow to get more updates on the free content. But at the same time, also donate. And donate by actually just buying me a coffee. That's just how I put it. And you can buy me a coffee a month, coffee a week, or coffee every day of the year. And think about it as the way that you know, if you wanted to chat with me, you might just bring me out for coffee and buy me a coffee. Or if you wanted to bring one of my guests out to chat, you might buy them a coffee. So I'm just think of it as I'm the service that's doing that for you. So you can just pay me in coffees. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, everything will still be free. It's just it would just really help if you would like to show your support this way so that I can use the coffee money to buy myself actual coffees and also to buy my guests actual coffees at and use the leftover money to actually grow the platform as well as even keep it operationally alive as well because it all this isn't really free and it does take a lot of time to build it as well as operate it and hopefully grow it further so your support would be amazing if you would like to contribute and so yeah just check out the website go to the stakeholders page and read the different kind of benefits you might even get as a stakeholder. All right, thank you.